Good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Podcast. My name is Kat and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the call. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 40 years. And each month on these trainings, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic Course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about our basic course, you can go to PSIBasicSeminar.com. The topic for tonight's call is the four keys to romance. Tonight we are very excited to bring you the special training followed by a Q&A session where we will be answering your questions live. First, I would like to introduce your speaker for tonight. We have an amazing guest with us this evening, our very own Director of Training, Kathy Quinlan Perez. She has been in the personal growth industry for over 30 years and has been with PSI Seminars for almost 28 years now. In addition to the PSI Basic Seminar, she facilitates the Life Success Course and the Women's Leadership Seminar. Kathy has a successful marriage of 23 years with her husband, Gary, who she met while attending the PSI courses and is a great example to be sharing the four keys to romance with us tonight. Kathy, are you with us? I most certainly am, Kat. So I know that the title tonight is The Four Keys to Romance, and we are definitely going to give you that. And so first of all, I want to acknowledge everybody for being on the call tonight And I have a really special little surprise because who's going to join me on this call tonight, freshly back from uh, being part of the training staff at MLS, is my husband, Gary. And so I know that he definitely will have some tidbits to add to this call tonight. So I just find it, you know, relationships is such a big huge, gigantic subject, given that we are always in relationship because that's what we do as human beings. So uh, uh, much of what we're going to talk about tonight, I believe that you can absolutely apply to every aspect of your life, and you can apply in terms of relationships at work with your employees and or your boss and your romantic relationships. And that's really primarily we're going to be talking about that in terms of the partnership that you have with the man or woman of your dreams. And so I am definitely going to revisit a lot of the anchors of the basic seminar and the anchors of Psy7. And so for anyone that's listening tonight that has been at Psy7 with us, is that I'm going to revisit a lot what we talk about in um, in Psy7 and specifically the relationship part. And for those of you that are not graduates yet, I'm hoping that you get a lot out of this call that you'll just go, oh my gosh, i got to get myself to Psy7 to hear more about this. So I hope that you enjoy the call and I hope that you create some value from it. And as I said, it's a huge subject. So to touch on every single area is not, you know, we actually don't really have time for that. However, specifically, I'm going to talk about our responsibility in our relationships given that, of course, that's the class that I teach is personal responsibility. And I actually have been really lucky this year because I've got to be in three basics, um, doing a class by myself and then two classes I got to do with uh, two of my instructors. So it was wonderful to be back in the basic seminar. And again, really, responsibility starts in the basic also. And so what I want everyone on the call to really be thinking about is, first of all, ask yourself, What is it that you're committed to creating in your relationship? So if you are walking into any relationship thinking that you're going to get something from them, I'm going to suggest that you might just be doomed from the beginning right there. Because a key to all relationships is to actually operate from giving. So whatever it is that you want, you've got to be willing to give it. And if you look at relationships as that they're going to uh, add to you, which is you want them to, you want to add, you don't want to have a relationship that is a burden or interferes with your time. I mean, you want to look at the person or people that you're with as like you get 
they get to be with you and you get to be with them. But sometimes I think somewhere along the line, and this is a big conversation to actually have in terms of that there's so many models of relationships. But in, you know, given that it's 2017, we have definitely transformed relationships a lot, especially since I look at the models I learned from my mom and dad. Things today are very, very different. And I think that the beauty in that is, is you really do have the liberty to create what it is that you're committed to creating. And to do that, there's definitely some keys there. And so are you looking at a relationship as something that is going to fill you up or that you're looking at a relationship as there's something missing in you so this person is going to add to you? So I'm going to suggest that those two ways, again, you're doomed, is that walking into any relationship, we've got to believe in ourselves. We've got to have the, like, the certainty inside of ourselves. One of the, I, I heard a share from a friend of mine. I was listening to uh, an event that she did. In fact, it's Renee Cermak in, from, that runs the Phoenix area. And she was talking about when she walked into the basic seminar, how she believed she wasn't enough. And so she did not feel like she was enough to, like she wasn't good enough to have an extraordinary relationship. And as a result of doing the classes, she changed her thought process. Like, he is the luckiest man in the world to get me. And so that's what I'm going to ask everyone to really think about tonight is what's your mindset? Is, you know, we talk about this a lot at the woman's class, is that if you don't think you're hot, how do you think somebody else is going to think you're hot? And I want to go, <clears throat> I want to go back a little bit. It's because we are, we live and breathe in relationship with people. We are social beings. And we've got to learn the dance of partnership. And I think that sometimes we have a belief someplace in our brain that we think, oh, men should be this, women should be this. And if we take it even out of the context, I'm going to lean a lot to the context of male-female. However, uh, whether you are in a relationship with a man or whether you're in a relationship with a woman, there's always a masculine energy and a feminine energy. And sometimes we have, this, we have these beliefs that historically we got someplace that the men are supposed to be this way and the women are supposed to be this way. Well, I am a firm believer in blowing those beliefs up. <clears throat> and so I'm getting, I mean, I could just talk on and on about this whole topic of relationships. So I want to have some highlights here. And the first highlight I want to talk about is the expectations that we have in relationships. So start to ask yourself, have you really sat down and had the conversation with your relationship about what your expectations are. And sometimes we really do put expecta uh, expectations on people that, you know, first of all, they have no idea we have that expectation, number one. And number two, it's really unrealistic. And <clears throat> so start asking yourself, wow, are the expectations that I have, are they really the deal breakers? Like, we all have the deal breakers. Like, I mean, clearly, I have, a, I have some deal breakers, for sure. And, but then there's things about my husband that I always have to go back to. Why did I fall in love with him? Like, what are the qualities that I fell in love with? Because sometimes when we are in a relationship... You know, for those, of, for those of you that have been in a, a relationship for a really long time, I know you know what I'm talking about, is that you t start to take things for granted. And somewhere you start bringing, you stop bringing the spice into the relationship. And so it just sort of hits somewhat of a wall. But I want to go back to that communication is key. And if you are not talking to the, the person you're in a relationship with, you're bottling everything up. And all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself as a huge part of the basic seminar is the three R's. You're going to start to create resentment inside of yourself. So if you have an expectation, like talk about it. 
but sometimes they, you've got to be willing to compromise because otherwise we will definitely get ourselves into what is known to the victim, rescuer, persecutor triangle. And I have a little surprise, everyone, is because the person that is, is joining me here is my husband, Mr. Gary Perez. And I'm not going to say that we're experts, but I am going to say that uh, for after 23 years, we have definitely gone through a lot of peaks and valleys. And I will say that the one thing that has always kept us going is that we keep looking at the marriage. Like, what, it, what did I say I was committed to? As I asked that question in the very beginning, what are you committed to? And as I say this throughout all of our trainings, is that are you committed to being right or are you committed to having an extraordinary business, marriage, parenthood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So sometimes you've got to get off your position. And one of the things that I will say, and there's many things that I admire about my, my husband, but one of the things that he has mastered in our relationship is his commitment to our relationship and his willingness to let go of being right and his willingness to sometimes just let me be right and be okay with that. That would be a word of advice for all people out there. So I would like to introduce to everyone on the call my husband, Mr. Gary Perez. Well, hello, everybody. So uh, let's just jump right in. So to start uh, this off, I want to get to first base, meaning we're going to look at some concepts and uh, briefly touch on some of the stuff that Kathy uh, started with. However, one of the main things that we want to look at is where did our thinking around relationships come from? And so the first relationship that we were introduced to was our parents or guardians or whoever raised us. And then that became the model. Now, it became a model unconsciously. I'll give you an example. Uh, my mom was always home, so she always cooked, took care of us, and so forth, whereas my father was the one that was always off to work, and he traveled a lot, and so most of the times we only saw him on weekends. He would come home late at night. However, he was just too tired to deal with us. So it was almost like our mom was always there. So that became my model unconsciously. So to give you an example of that, is one day, Kathy, uh, we were living together. This is prior to us getting married. And Kathy called up and she says, I'm going to be late. Now, she wasn't specific in the time or anything. However, she didn't get home till like 1030 at night. Now, I just got through making the kids lunch, cooking them dinner, and helping them with their homework. So I started to have a lot of energy on it and was quite upset with it. And so I said, uh, we need to talk about this. However, what happened was she said, we're not going to talk about it until tomorrow. And I said, okay. So I am upset about this because it pushed all my buttons. I didn't know why at the time. The next morning she gets up, she's getting ready for work. I'm getting ready for work. And it was my turn to take the kids to school. And she said these words. She said, until I let go of how I think it's supposed to be, there's no space to create anything, create anything new or different. Now, it took me a while to, to sink into that. So I started to look at what the model is that I have. So yes, my mom was always home. My dad was always away. So unconsciously, what I was reacting to, I was feeling like the roles were reversing. I was becoming the woman and she was becoming the man. Now, of course, it took some work for me to get to that place. However, here's what happens. We're born into this world and we're raised by our parents. We either adopt or reject our parents' model of what a relationship looks like and also the roles that they play in that relationship. That then becomes my belief on how a relationship should look. Now, I'm going to throw in the word context. I know Kathy used it earlier. However, I'm going to use it in a different way. Context meaning the model, the paradigm, or our belief system on how we believe in certain things. In this particular instance, we're talking about relationships. So my context is the female is always home and the male is the one that's out uh, working and so forth. 
all of us take that on at some level. And that also then becomes some of our expectations in a relationship unconsciously. Well, this is how it's supposed to be. The woman's supposed to be home and the guy's always out working. That's how my mind worked. So after doing some work, I realized that I wasn't creating a relationship. I was inheriting a model based on how my parents did it. So with some work, I started to see how we can create the relationship that works for us. And especially nowadays, both partners in a relationship are both working. So there's got to be some ways that that can happen. And that means we've got to let go of the attachment to of what that belief is about a relationship. Then you can start creating from scratch and go, this is what's going to work in our relationship. Then we can start letting go of some of the expectations. Now, typically in any relationship, so when I met Kathy, there is an illusion of when we start into anything new that is created based on our context. So based on my context, Kathy fit the bill. Now what happens is, is that in that moment that we choose into the relationship, there's some, a lot of excitement. It's like there's this frantic anxiousness that occurs because it's something new. We can't wait to go, okay, so what's next? And we can't wait to see him, and we're on the phone for hours with them. Well, we chose into that because of an illusion that we created based on our context and our way of thinking. So then as the relationship starts to grow and we start seeing each other, then we start getting to a place of this is great, this is good. And we get to be a little bit more relaxed in the relationship. And, and what we get out of this feeling of growth as we grow closer together is we start to get euphoric because all we see is the good in each other. Now, as time goes on, what happens then is we start getting back to reality and we start seeing more of who this person is. So for me, with Kathy, it's like, okay, she works all the time. She's very independent, which is what I truly wanted. However, I also needed her to be around. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel needed and so forth. So I started to hit this obstacle that seemingly like it's not going anywhere. And I think Kathy felt it too. So what happens when we hit this obstacle, we'll call it a wall, is that the wall appears, the obstacle appears as a result of disillusionment. So we hit this stage in the relationship where we go, we either back off of it and go, okay, she's not the one for me, or out of our commitment to the relationship, we get, we get in alignment and we go, okay, we're going to get over this and we're going to grow from it. So as we are approaching the limits of our context, meaning that we've got to let go of a model of what we think it's supposed to look like, all of our expectations based on our beliefs. Now, she had a different upbringing than I did. So she's walking into the relationship with her beliefs on what a relationship looks like as well. So each of us have to be in agreement about what is the relationship that we want to create. Now, that wall is in front of us going, okay, so how do we move forward from here? Now, usually that wall appears as some sort of big argument. We get into a big fight. Now, definitely we have a, a lot of disagreements. However, when Kathy and I hit those disagreements, we're also aware that this is an opportunity for our relationship to grow. Now, what we've both learned in this process for the relationship to grow is those walls are necessary. In fact, it's part of the growing pains. It's part of expanding who we are and expanding the context of our relationship. And what we've both realized from this is, is that the only way to get over the wall is to raise each other up. The other is to pull each other towards the possibility of what our relationship could be. Now, what's, what is telling is, is that we may fail in, in that endeavor. However, what we get on the other side of getting over that obstacle, that wall, is education. Because then we can look up and go, that worked or it didn't work. In either case, we win and we have now expanded our context because we now know more. So we want those obstacles. Another way to put it is, and there's a saying that we use in a lot of the work that we do, is breakdown before breakthrough. 
those breakdowns are necessary. And it doesn't matter if they're small or big. However, each time that we work through one, it makes our relationship that much stronger. Now, once we get to the other side of the obstacle, there are several things that may happen. One is we could see a decline in the relationship. And what that tells us is, is that, okay, we weren't in alignment about the possibility of our relationship, or maybe she isn't the, truly the one for me. And maybe we, didn't, we had mixed agendas. We weren't on the same page about the possibility of the relationship. The next thing that could happen is we hit another plateau. The plateaus are there for us to formulate, to go through and figure out what do we need to do to, to have some growth in our relationship. But the plateau is also telling and it's, it's letting us know that, once again, either we're not in alignment or we don't see the same possibility in our relationship. Then the one that we want. What's on the other side of the wall is an advanced growth, a sharp accelerated growth in our relationship. Now, if we hit that, then we know we're on the same page, we know we're in alignment, and we're moving towards something much bigger. So those walls are necessary in the relationship. Now, so that is the, that is the aspect of constantly expanding the context of the relationship. So for those of you who aren't in relationship or in a new relationship, the, this idea of the context is if we're to look at a, a bowl of fruit, the bowl is the context and the fruit is the content. So if we want to add more fruit to the bowl or we want a better relationship or a different relationship, it's got to fit our context. So everything that is within our context is there because it fits our context. So if I didn't have this problem or issue or challenge with Kathy when she was came home late then and I operated from the context that I operated from and not was not willing to expand who I am and expand my consciousness and my beliefs then she would have felt fallen off of my context meaning she would have just rolled off the ball because there's no more room for her and she wouldn't fit my context however I had to grow expand my context so that that new person that I have in my life will now fit. So the same thing is true is, is that we attract only what fits our model, our context. Now, if we keep attracting the same person that's not working, it's because we haven't expanded our context, meaning we haven't challenged it. So let's say a couple words on context. Context is very important. It's part of our mind, and it is there for the sole purpose of survival. So anything that is outside our context is uncomfortable. It is viewed as a threat. So unconsciously, we shrink back into our context because we don't want to risk. However, that's the only place where education and growth can occur. So if we apply that in a relationship, is that yes, there are going to be growing pains. It is going to be uncomfortable. But both partners have to be courageous enough to be willing to risk to do something completely different. And that is one, something that both Kathy and I work on constantly is how can we be different in the relationship so that we can move forward? In fact, when we get in an argument, we allow ourselves to fully experience what we're feeling in the argument. So I may be making her wrong. She may be making me wrong. However, we allow ourselves to go through what we are feeling so that we can then let go of the energy on it. And then at that point, and lately it's been probably 15 minutes that we can get to that place and we just go okay so how do we move forward from here and we ask ourselves that where dysfunction happens is when we suppress it and we don't let it out we withhold we don't tell the truth so when I speak to her and when we get in an argument after we've gone through that that whole session of making each other wrong we then take the responsible version and talk about okay so how did I create this so the key to having a relationship work is always operating from the responsible, meaning she can't make me feel anything and I can't make her feel anything. My feelings are my responsibility and what I felt in that moment was my choice. Now, what I felt that was my choice could have been based on the model based on mom-dad stuff. 
So in that moment, I got to tell the truth and go, how did I create this and what was my part in this not working? So that's the responsible side. Now let's talk about codependency and dysfunction because what happens when we don't operate from responsible is we end up in a lot of drama. Now there are very varying levels at which we play the roles that I'm about to talk about. So keep in mind these roles happen to be necessary and they were the first roles that we were introduced to as a child. And so the first one that we're going to talk about is the victim. So as a child, we're born into this world, and we're often told that, well, you're not old enough, you're not strong enough, you're not big enough. And so we become victim to things that happen as a child, and so we look to mom and dad to then rescue us. So there's two roles, victim and rescuer. Now, again, there are healthy versions of this and unhealthy versions of each of these roles. Now, when we were wrong or did something bad or our behavior was inappropriate, then we were disciplined. So in that moment, we then reverted back to being the victim again, and our parents then became the persecutors. That's the third role. Now, the dysfunctional side of this is that when those roles become enhanced, meaning they start to swing to the other side of the spectrum where they're not healthy, is that they are driven by, again, a context of how they feel about themselves. And that's usually because of a lack, uh, an unconscious conditioning of lack. So as a child, we're always told we're not enough. We lack uh, experience, we lack intelligence, and so forth. Now, as we matured and and grew up and became adults, our job was to then learn this other side of it called being responsible. There is a fourth role, and that is the martyr, which includes all the other three that I had talked about, which is victim, rescuer, and persecutor. The martyr is the person that hangs on the cross and says, look what I've sacrificed for you. So I've heard it from my mom. I also heard it from my dad. I work night and day. Look what I've done for you so that you can go through college, blah, 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 blah. Now, in a relationship... The drama occurs in a relationship when either party takes on one of these roles. It'd be great. However, that's not when the drama starts. The drama starts is when we start switching roles. So I'll give you an example. Because of my model in my mind, my context, Kathy comes home one day and says, why didn't I empty the garbage? Well, what I hear from my belief systems is that I don't do enough around the house. And so what happens is, is then I feel persecuted. So then I respond, so I feel persecuted, meaning I'm the victim and she's the persecutor. Then I become the persecutor to her and she now becomes the victim when I say to her, well, let me tell you all the things that you don't do around the house. So now let's look at it from a responsible version. Kathy comes home and says, why didn't you empty the garbage? Now, if I look at that from just an objective point of view, all she is doing is asking me a question. Now, perhaps I was busy that day. So a responsible response would be, oh, you know what? I forgot. I was busy. I'll take care of that right now. So that is when we start to look at what is the role that I am playing right now? Am I operating from victim? Am I now being the persecutor? So all of these roles have a need that they're fulfilling. So the rescuer is fulfilling their need of wanting to feel helpful, to feel better about themselves. The victim puts out hoops for people to jump through and say, well, if if you will love me no matter how I show up, you will take care of me. I am incapable of learning anything new. I am incapable of doing anything. There is a a hoop that is put out so that the victim can feel better. So if I get rescued, then that tells me that person loves me. The persecutor operates from a place to feel better about themselves. They operate from a place of I'm better than and I know the answer. So they operate from being right. So whenever we do these roles, it's because we're fulfilling a need. Again, there's a spectrum on how much you can operate from these modes which are healthy or unhealthy. And then finally, the martyr, again, 
All of those four roles are driven by the unconscious conditioning of lack. I don't feel good about myself. I am not enough. And to fulfill that, which is a lie, I will play out these roles so I could feel better about myself. So a lot of times we look at expectations. Those expectations are the hoops that we're putting out for people to jump through so that we can feel better about ourselves. So I'm going to throw this back to Kathy because I think I've talked long enough, and I know she's chomping at the bit because she's got something to say. Oh, my gosh. That was so awesome, Gary. I was like, oh, see, there's a reason why I'm still married to this man. He's the greatest. But a couple of things that Gary was talking about <clears throat> that I actually had to have a couple of uh, – chuckles about, and I'm sure there's people on the call that could relate to this, is that if you're the person that always walks away from a relationship, oh, it's just not working, I'm going to ask that you actually start to reconsider that. It's because sometimes it is very healthy to work through what the challenges that we have in relationships, because I have a theory that we work through all that stuff, like Gary was just talking about, and that actually is preparing us for the greatest relationship in the world. And our willingness to work through it, we're going to have to work through it eventually anyway. So why not when it comes up? Why not? I mean, obviously there are parameters around that. If you are in a really unhealthy relationship that, uh, you know, they're hurting you, then that's not, you know, you want to, no, that's not a good thing to do. However, I think that there's a lot to be said about conflict and about the walls, as Gary is talking about, is because those walls are actually there for our growth. That is the beauty. And sometimes what we do is that we back away from the challenges that we have in relationship. But I want to go back to is when I started off about what is it that you're really committed to and to really go back to the distinctions that are taught in the basic seminar that are taught at Site 7 is that for whatever it is that you want, you want to, you got to bring it. If you want romance in your relationship, then you be the romantic one. You know, sometimes there are times that I come home from work. There's sometimes that Gary comes home from work and <clears throat> like he did on Sunday night from MLS, he's just like, okay, he just wants to talk about MLS, right? And that's okay because I, like, that's what he needs to do because He's got to outflow. I've got to outflow so that I can be present in the moment. And I always tell a little story that, you know, I have definitely had the challenges of where I have been out, you know, busy, 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 and I'm coming home and I'm in all boss mode. And I walk into the house and I start barking orders to Gary. That does not work in a relationship. Just let me tell that to everybody on the call tonight. And so my husband very kindly says, um, yes, and so when you decide to be my wife, uh, come back to the house. And so I remember I walked out of the house, and I was like, are you kidding me? And I get in my car, and I drive around the block. I call a couple of my girlfriends and, you know, say what I have to say. And then I start laughing to myself because I realize, wow, he just wanted his wife to walk in the door instead of the boss. And so then I, you know, come back, park my car, come in the front door and go, hey, honey, how are you? How was your week? And I tell that story as a reminder to everyone on this call is what are you bringing? Are you walking in expecting things to be a certain way? Or are you walking in bringing it? If you want to be treated as a queen, you must treat your partner as a king. If you want to be treated as a king, you must treat your partner as the queen. I mean, the keys, absolutely 100%. I want to give you two things before I go to the keys. Um, well, the first thing was the king and queen, but the second one was fair fighting. Because, you know, Gary's talking about when we have our disagreements, uh, is that sometimes when you're upset about things, when you're upset about it, about whatever it is, is the worst time to talk about it. So sometimes you have to just go, you know what? Right now is not the time. Because the other thing, people, remember, words sting. And we can never take back the words. I mean, think about that. It's like, 
you know, it's like just shooting emotional bullets sometimes, some of those words that come out. So it's like, no, 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 we can't take that back. And so sometimes you just got to go, you know what, now's not the time to talk about this. And set a time, like here, let's talk about this tomorrow night at 7, or let's talk about this at lunch tomorrow, whenever you decide to do it, and then put a time frame on it. Go, we're going to do this for 15 minutes, we're going to do this for 30 minutes. And communicating from responsible. And as your partner is communicating from responsible, you've got to be the committed listener and practice that third way of listening that you learned in the basic seminar to be with and be here now so that you can actually hear what they're saying versus internally automatically agreeing or disagreeing with them. Again, I want you to start to ask yourself, am I committed to the relationship or am I committed to being right? And the keys, the absolute keys to romance, ladies and gentlemen, is 100% respect. You've got to respect your partner. And to remind yourself always why you fell in love with them. And what is it that's great about them versus looking at what's wrong with them. And acceptance. It's like, you, like <clears throat> there's definitely for all the leadership graduates, I know what exercise you know I'm talking about right now, is <clears throat> there, you've got to just surrender to like, okay, it is what it is. And accept them versus resisting them. Resistance gets us, I mean, you know, it works in, for personal growth. However, resisting our partner doesn't. Because that resistance, remember the, uh, the three R's in the basic seminar, that, you know where that one's going to lead. And that you admire them. Like you admire what they, who they are and what they do. I mean, it is so, we are human beings that we crave intimacy. And I'm not speaking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about intimacy, a connection, is that that is, our, that is at the core of us core of us. It's our deepest nature to connect and be intimate with the people that we have in our life, in every single relationship. I mean, I think that, um, that just admiring who they are. Yes, does, do people do bad things? Yes, that doesn't mean they're a bad person. But admiration, admire who they are as a human being and appreciate the things that they are bringing to the relationship versus back to what we were talking about in the very beginning is of having an expectation. Oh my God, well, he didn't do that. She didn't do that, whatever it happens to be. But to actually appreciate who they are and what they're giving to you. And then start again. You know what? In those keys to romance, it goes for yourself. So that goes with your partner and that goes to yourself respecting yourself, respecting your partner, accepting yourself, accepting your partner, admiring yourself and admiring your partner, appreciating yourself and appreciating your partner. So I hope that you had a fabulous time on the call tonight. And, you know, I think that we have, like, a lot of questions. Kat, are you there? Yes, we do have a lot of questions. And before we head into those, I just wanted to say really quick for those of you who are on the call who have not yet done our classes, I know you've made a bunch of references to different exercises. Uh, We have a ton of exercises about relationships in the basic seminar that you can use for your personal relationships, for your professional relationships that you can really just implement right away. You can learn more about the basic seminar at psibasicseminar.com. It has all the information about the classes and you can register right there on the site. That's psibasicseminar.com for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and, and have not yet been to our courses. Now, we do have uh, quite a few questions. This has been a hot topic. Uh, Lots of people who do not have relationships who want to know how to have a hot relationship. And, of course, people in relationships who are looking to spark the romance. I have one here from TG. Wants to know some techniques for rebuilding a broken heart to be open to love again. Do you want to take that one, Carrie? Sure. Okay. Uh... 
okay, so be open to love again. I think it begins when we come come off of something that doesn't work. We we could call it a failure. There's a lot of hurt and pain. And a lot of that hurt and pain comes from the idea that there must be something wrong with us. And so I believe that the first thing to do, and, I, and I've gone through this, is that I've got to create a new relationship with myself. And the best way to do that is to forgive. Not only yourself, but forget the, forgive the other partner. And it may not, that forgiveness may not show up in a way where that you're going face-to-face with them and going, hey, I've got I to forgive you and I've got to get this off my chest. More internally, because everybody, as I said, comes into a relationship with a different idea of what a relationship is. And so what happens in that is that with the expectations that it lives up to mom and dad model or whatever, that sometimes we lose sight of what those two people came together for in the first place. So the first place I would start with is forgiveness of self fall back in love with who you are because nobody else can love you until you love you. Awesome. I'm just going to add uh, to to what Gary just said is that you got to go do something good for you and keep looking at you. Use your I am. Start looking in the mirror and telling yourself how hot you are, how amazing you are, and you are the greatest gift to a, to a person. But as Gary just said, you got to fall back in love with you. You got another one, Kat? Yep, from GH. How do you fall back in love with your spouse when the flame dies? Can it be rekindled? Oh, absolutely, 100% it can be rekindled. Uh, you got to do some exercises with yourself about, okay, wait a second. What is it that, why did I fall in love with that person in, to begin with? And start looking at what's great about them versus what might not be great or what has somewhat gotten stale and so you got to bring the excitement you bring the passion and I promise you it'll come along but you've got to take it that way not expecting it's not like that that question is like you're you're thinking it's outside of you and again what we're talking about here tonight is you got to be responsible for giving it you got to be responsible for being it you want excitement you want passion you want joy you want aliveness you got to be that person. All right, let me add to that as well. So one of the things that I know that happens is, is that people think that love is something that happens externally. And really, the emotions that we feel are choices that we've made internally, meaning if I feel love, it's because I chose to feel love in that moment. I remember that in, one, in a seminar uh, that somebody asked, well, you don't understand, I fell out of love with them. And the response was, well, then fall back in love with them. Now, usually what keeps us from falling back in love with someone is because we don't want to let go of being right about what's wrong with them. And as Kathy said before, fall back in love with the stuff that you've originally fell back in love with and stop and let go of being right about what you're holding on to to make them wrong. And I just thought of something I wanted to add to that is that we have a tendency to cling to the past, people. And so start looking at, your, at what you're clinging to because, you know, I know it sounds easy, but I, you know, like, oh, you act like it's no big deal, Kathy. Well, I got it that you got to do a little work on yourself. But again, it goes back to what we've been talking about. Do you want to be right or do you want to have, have an extraordinarily successful relationship? So someplace you got to let go of what was to create what is new. What else do you got, Kat? Next from J.A., what can you do daily to keep the romance alive? I think that kindness is really an important key to that. Um, I think that also do fun little things that they would never, you know, like they're just kind of fun, like put a note in their briefcase or, you know, go text them during the day to say something kind or, you know, uh, when they open up the refrigerator, have a note for them there. Like just the little kind of things of appreciation goes back to what we were talking about in terms of keys to romance, in terms of acceptance and respect. So have a little fun out there, people. I think it also goes back to what Kathy said earlier, and that is you got to if you want to be treated like a king, you got to treat them like a queen, and vice versa. And what that's really saying is you've got to focus outward. 
if there's something that is missing in your life, you've got to bring it. And so if you're missing love, intimacy, then how can you bring that to the relationship? So another quick little mantra that I often use is that when in doubt, focus out. Oh, very good. Okay, how's that, Kat? Do we have another one? Yeah, next from CP, how important is transparency in a romantic relationship? What are your thoughts about secrets? <laughs> okay, I'm not, I don't, I'm not laughing at the question because that's a really good question. And I am, uh, I am just going to go back to something that I was told by a very, very, very wise woman and uh, someone I admire very much in this industry. And it was, for what purpose are you saying what you're saying? And you have to decide on how you would answer. How, what, when you say secrets, uh, you know, I don't want to cross any more lines with anyone on this, quest, on this phone call is because that's completely up to you. However, uh, you just got to ask yourself, for what purpose am I saying what I'm about to say? Am I fulfilling my guilt? Am I about to say this because I got guilt about things I've done? before or am I saying this to, for a purpose to actually move my relationship forward and that you, it, that's a moral question that you have to answer for yourself but the question I would ask that you ask yourself is for what purpose am I, am I saying what I'm saying how about another one Kat uh, next up from B.I. Is there anything you can do if your partner resents you for something? Is the relationship doomed? I don't think um, I don't think the relationship is doomed. I think that um, if you're trying to get them out of their resentment, that's not going to happen. It's their process, and you've got to stand. You know, if you made your amends and you had the conversations is that they've got to go through their process to get uh, let go of whatever it is that they're, re- they're resenting. And you might want to go back to that, uh, what I was talking about, fair fighting, to actually have a time and set aside going, you know, can we have a conversation about this? And maybe they can open up then and say, you know, I'm having a hard time with this one. And yes, I do resent you right now. They might say that, but you've got to, they, maybe they have to go through that. And there, because it's not, there's nothing you can do to get them out of the resentment. That's their process. However, you definitely need to have a conversation about the time frame on it because that resentment is doing something to your relationship. And so you keep bringing what you're bringing, but there's nothing you can do to change them. Uh, next from CB. How do you trust that your spouse is speaking truth when there has been dishonesty in the past? That is something that you, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, trying to uh, escape from these questions because they're really good questions. But I also want everyone that's asking a question to go, okay, am I taking responsibility for this? Or is this my stuff? Or is this what's happening in the relationship? So... If you're like if you came back with someone, you got back together, and they even though that there was lies in the relationship before, but if you chose back into the relationship and you made a new agreement with them, then you got to stand on your new agreement. You got to stand in that I committed. And so, if you're always looking over your shoulder, questioning, are they telling me the truth? Are they being honest with me? You're not showing up 100% in the relationship. So you've got to let go of all your mistrust and doubt. Because there is, it is true. Like if we go back to the philosophy, is people will show up how we see them. If you think they're lying, if you think they're dishonest, they're going to be that. They're going to become that because you're seeing that in them. And you'll become that too. So it's like you got to get yourself cleaned up. Like if it's your trust issues, you got to clean yourself up. And someplace you got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive your partner. And you got to be willing to both agree to starting fresh, period. Because you cannot keep bringing up the past. Do you have another one, Kat? Yeah, next from RP. 
how do I create a spark with someone that I'm interested in that may not be interested in me? <laughs> how do I create a spark in someone that not, might not be interested in me? Well, <clears throat> so uh, you got to be your great self. Hold on. Gary's, Gary's like, okay, wait a second. I want to say something to that. Well, first of all, um, you got to tell the truth and stop waiting for something to happen. I mean, you've got to you got to come out and just ask the question versus live in the illusion. So you've got to get to reality. In business, we call that due diligence. It's risk management. Uh, in relationship, it's just coming out front with that and just going, you know, are you interested in me or not? Um, so. Again, what we've learned from this work is I can't make anybody feel anything. However, I could change my belief and perspective about me, which then in turn changes the perspective of the people around me. So it always goes back to responsible. And so how did I generate this? How did I create this? So there's a lot in that question. It's a pretty loaded question. However, the first place is to tell the truth. Um, I don't think I'd be in a relationship with Kathy unless the two of us were both up front about our expectations and what we wanted in the relationship. So, because uh, when I first met Kathy, I wasn't clear about whether this was going to be a lifelong thing or what it was going to be. However, in the relationship, we started telling each other the truth about what we wanted. And it changed over a period of time because it started out as just fun and then it got to the committed level, which scared the crap out of me. And I think you're talking about, you know, you got to, uh, this getting the spark in her, you can't get the spark in her. You got to be the spark. And, and maybe she's not the one. Like if you're this sparky kind of person and they're not attracted to you. Okay. Next. Which then leads us to next question, Kat. Next question. Uh, from JW. You'd said it only takes one person to make a relationship work. Could you expand on that and what needs to be done to make that happen? Wow, I know. I tr but I truly believe in this is that <clears throat> so you're standing in 100% commitment. So you, okay, I'm going to use uh, myself as an example and Gary. So we definitely, I mean, we, this is not like that, like immediately, we're, like, okay, we're, we're dating and we are together and then he breaks up with me and I'm like, oh, no, 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 he, I am getting this guy back. Okay. I stand in 100% commitment that this, I'm, I'm marrying this guy. And I also knew that he was in love with me. It's just that he had all his, you know, commitment issues, which I did too, but now I found somebody that had worse commitment issues than me. So, hey, I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, and I take that is that we can make any relationship work as, but we have to be committed to the relationship, not being right about it. I mean, like if I look at, you know, Gary as ex-wife and, you know, it's, it's amazing that we became really, really good friends and we became really good friends because my, my commitment was to our marriage and a commitment to Gary's daughters, who I feel very honored and privileged to be their bonus mother. And I did not, I respected the fact that she is their mother. So I was inclusive. And so the commitment to having it all work, 100% intention, was it was a bigger commitment to family. It was a bigger commitment to my marriage. And so when I'm talking about 100% committed to having a relationship work, it might not, it might not be looking like society's norm, so to speak, is because the commitment was to the family. And so if that meant we started to celebrate Thanksgivings and Christmases with her entire family, my entire family, and Gary's entire family, that's what we did. Because that supported the bigger picture of the family who most importantly was the girls. And so I believe that. If I'm committed to having a relationship with whoever it is, I'm going to shift how I'm being to make the relationship work. And not think that they have to change to have the relationship work. Because they're not going to change. And so sometimes in that, I have to give up being right. I have to give up 
I have to sometimes not say a word because I got to let them be who they are. And in a romantic relationship and creating a romantic partnership that way is that I think that's the same thing is sometimes I got to just, I got to just shut my mouth and let them be who they are and let them grow out of who they are versus me attempting to mold them per se. Do you want to add something, honey? Yeah. So the only thing, other thing that I've got to say to that, and I, I agree with everything that Kathy says, because there are definitely times when Kathy was like ready to leave the relationship and I was the one that was more committed and definitely times that uh, I did leave the relationship and Kathy was more committed. However, what was present between the two of us was respect and love. Now, Commitment is a is a deep issue, and the reason why I bring that up is because there's also this thing called conflicting commitments. And so what gets in the way is that often there's a conflicting commitment, meaning there's something else that I am more committed to than the relationship. And so it takes a deeper look, so I don't want you just to take it on the surface and going, well, I'm committed, I'm committed. However, the question then becomes, what are you committed to? Because sometimes it's just your commitment to making you feel like you're not enough and you're not worthy, unconsciously, that commitment can kill a relationship. And maybe you're just attracting the wrong person. So there's a lot more to it. So anyway, however, in a relationship that is healthy and that there are times when either party wants to leave or, or whatever, I think in that, in that instance, yes, it all it takes is one, one person to be uh, totally committed. Do we have time for any other questions? I know there's probably so many. I mean, I, I think we should have a, a teleseminar number two on relationships because there's so much here. I agree. I think it would be perfect to have a part two where you could just answer all of the questions. That would make up a whole second call. I know. I, we would be more than willing to do it. But if I, if I could leave everyone with like one major thing is – I want to go back to those keys I was talking about, is that first and foremost, we've got to love our partner. Like, we've got to love them. We've got to show them love, and we've got to be love. We've got to be the love to bring it into the relationship. And being the love is from kindness, is from respect, is from appreciation, and it is from gratitude, and acceptance, like absolute gratitude. You know, one, there was uh, something that I heard many years ago, you know, never go to bed angry. Just don't do it. And so whatever it is that you need to forgive and sometimes forget, it might be the best thing that you could possibly do. So with that, Kat, is there anything else that we could answer? Because I know that we're coming up to our hour. Well, we do also have questions on the call for people who, who have not yet done our classes. So if you could just take a minute uh, to share what the basic seminar is about, uh, what our series of classes is for those who have not done the PSI classes, and then uh, okay. wrap up the call with some takeaway points from the teachings around the four keys to romance. That would be awesome. Okay. So I want to sp- um, one of the things I wanted to actually talk about in in – the relationships that just like came out of my, left my brain, but it's back, is that in the basic seminar, uh, we talk about one plus one equals three. And I believe that in relationships, one plus one, two people in alignment is like three people, let's go take the mountain. And that is the beauty of relationships. One plus one equals three. And so to go back to our three levels of our classes, I mean, the basic seminar and the size 7, the life success course, and our men's leadership and our women's leadership seminars are the greatest classes anyone could possibly invest in. And it starts with the basic seminar, that you actually get to step off the fast track of life for three days and spend some time reintroducing you to you and really looking at where you are and where you want to go and learning some tools and quite possibly relearning some tools that will support you in having an extraordinary life no matter where you're at. So let's say where you're at right now is point A. What the basic seminar is all about is getting to point B. And for some people walking into the basic seminar, they don't know what point B is. So what a great opportunity for them to identify what's point B. As has been said over and over again, the best place that we could possibly 
invest in in these times because guess what? The times are changing. Is The best place that you can invest is in you. And I highly recommend, as Kat had said, the website. Look on, look on it. Trust the people that you know that have taken the, best, uh, the basic seminar. It is the best investment in yourself. And the greatest news about the basic is that class is actually a money-back guarantee. If you don't get any value out of the class, we will give you your money back. And so I don't know a better place to absolutely invest in than yourself. And it's so exciting because we have a lot of new places that we're doing basics. Uh, we're going to have a uh, basic in Washington, D.C. on June 23rd. So anyone that's listening tonight, uh, find out, you know, talk to your friends and family or if those people that haven't taken the basic, you live on the East Coast, great opportunity. Uh, we'll have the location soon, but most likely it's going to be around the Tyson Corner area. And I'm excited about doing the basic in D.C. I think there could be a good vibe that we could bring there. And lots of new classes in Cleveland, Ohio, Toronto. But thank you again, Kat, for having us on the call and for putting this together and for all of you that are listening tonight. And, you know, we will follow up with uh, part two of Relationships. What a great call. Thank you so much, Kathy and Gary, for sharing your insights with us tonight. This was the perfect topic for you. Awesome to have both of you tonight. And thank you to everyone listening in. We hope that you enjoyed the call and have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. If you're getting value from our podcast, don't forget to rate us and leave a review on iTunes. Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic course, you can go to PSIBasicSeminar.com where you'll find information about the class as well as the upcoming dates and locations that are open for registration. Thank you, everyone, for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night.